Welcome, everybody, to the Next Gen Nationals podcast. I am Tanner, and I'm here with Alex. We're excited to bring you another episode of NGN today. Been on a bit of a hiatus, but we're excited to get back into it. Yep. Not a lot happening. So, not a lot of news, so not a lot of episodes. But we're back. Such is what happens when the league is literally locked out. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, How interesting. I mentioned a lockout. Let's talk about the lockout because you haven't heard enough of that recently. Um, this is kind of what happens when there is a lockout in baseball. Not only does it stop there from being baseball, but it's also the only news in baseball because it's the only baseball by being no baseball. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like even no, you know, See? no players signing anywhere or anything. It's literally just international prospects that happen. And we'll get to that uh, eventually, but yeah, it's brutal, man. I've been tracking this thing ever since it really started and I, I when it first broke um early in december there's a jeff passan article that said the date to worry was february 2nd we've passed that and i think we're gonna be missing time and and especially with what's happened now and, and i'm sure tana will get to that with the u.s government getting involved somehow uh uh it's uh yeah it's not a good look for uh mlb starting on time in april and i I don't think there's any chance of that happening, to be completely honest. I I would pay everyone listening here a million dollars if um, spring training and the pitchers and catchers reports uh, happen at the time they're supposed to. Um, and if you are kind of new to this, um, the lockout, you know, you, you like baseball, you watch baseball, but you're not super big into it. Um, the TLDR, the Toulon didn't read, of the lockout is essentially that the players union is unhappy with some of their working conditions. And so they're making some pretty, um, relaxed demands, if you will, not much, not, you know, stuff that would be a drop in the bucket for these multi-billionaire owners. And the owners are rejecting it based off of the money. And, um, it would not cost much from that perspective, only a couple million dollars, um, just to make some general improvements in, uh, minor league systems and, um, uh, mm-hmm. service time management, but um, the owners are choosing to keep the league locked out. And again, this is the owner's fault, and uh, we can say that pretty unequivocally. Um, yeah, it was like what fifteen million dollars per owner, which like ten, ten to fifteen million extra dollars by each owner would solve this whole thing. How much was Jacoby Ellsbury making per year? Because like if if you're how paying, much is Bobby Bonilla? Isn't Bonilla twenty two million? I want to say twenty two. Well, I mean, he gets a million a year. So I'm oh, just I saying, know, I want to know how much per how many years of Jacoby Ellsbury, um, it would be. Uh, where is salary? I'll figure it out. I'll, I'll get back to on that. In a <laughs> we'll have we'll have Alex back with our um our numbers in terms of Ellsburys, but. Um, with this, with this lockout, you're getting a uh, what's the word? It's not really an uproar, but there there is noticeable um, anger from the players, and justifiably so because they 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 are not they don't feel like they are getting the rights they deserve, and um, they're not getting them. And a, a common thing for the viewer is these guys are making millions of dollars to play baseball. Uh, what are they possibly complaining about? And to some extent, that is true, to be honest. Like, whether they made $10 million a year, $15 million a year, I'd take either. But a lot of it is about the minor league aspect and the fact that those guys who do not make millions of dollars a year and are did not get any help during the pandemic, they're sleeping on the floor of their car, yeah, that's who it's kind of all about, and not it's not really as much of an effect on the players. Now, the players still believe they do deserve their rights, and while proportionality is important to consider, um, problems are still problems. Um, that's just kind of how it's going. On his 2014 to 2021 contract, uh, the big mega deal with the Yankees, Jacoby Ellsbury earned 153 million dollars, which is a average salary. Of twenty one million eight hundred fifty seven thousand and one hundred forty three dollars, meaning meaning literally that to resolve all of the players' issues, it would cost you 
not even a full season of Jacoby Ellsbury in New York where he did literally nothing. I think he actually did less than nothing. less than nothing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and so, yeah. So if that's anything to say, if you can give the money to Jacoby Ellsbury, you can give it to the resumption of the sport. And it's kind of surprising to me that the owners are so steadfast in this, given that they've definitely lost a lot of money um, with the fact that they lost a hundred games in the 2020 season. And if, you know, baseball is taking a big hit from COVID and I would think they'd be wanting to get the show back on the road as soon as possible, but yeah. they're going to fight over pennies and nickels. And here we are now. You, you missed time. Have baseball. Yeah. You missed time here. It's, it, it's absolutely t- horrible for the sport. You had Jacoby. Uh, I can't get his oh. name on my head now. <laughs> you had you had Shohei Otani just put up one of the most historic. That's who you were going ever. for. You were yeah, going I don't Shohei know. Otani but listen, Kobe Ellsbury. I was looking at his baseball reference page. You got me all confused. But you had you had Shohei Ellsbury get one of the biggest years of baseball ever. He was unanimous MVP. You had one of the most you know intriguing mvp races on the other side with you know uh, yeah with with harper with soto with tatis you have all these young guys finally you know bringing life back in the sport let the kids play and all that and then you just decide nah we're not actually gonna let them play and it's it's not because it's not because the players want to be greedy and want to you know gain extra money it's just that they want the guys that were once in their position to still be able to live while while pursuing their dreams of playing baseball and i think that's the the general sentiment around uh the sport and it's a uh it's a big loss if if and and what it looks like um is going to come true where we're going to miss time uh just yeah absolutely yeah third straight year or the odds are high at least that this will be the third straight year without an 162 game season and we were kind of entering a period um NFL is going through a similar one right now with the blossoming of new stars, new superstars, mm-hmm. um, and kind of the phasing out of old generations. For instance, Adrian Gonzalez retired, retired I think, today or yesterday. Um, but the one of the problems that the MLB has had, which the NHL has also had, and the NBA and NFL have not had, is the marketing of their players. For instance... Mike Trout has been the best player in the sport, or at least one of them, if you really want to get semantical. That's a word. Um, for the better, for the better, shut up, Alex. You've been playing a lot of Wordle with like eight letters. I have. I have actually yet to get a Wordle wrong, by the way. I am 100% wow. perfect. Shard broke my streak. Um, by the time this episode releases, wait, have you done the one today? I think I did. I got in like five or six. Yeah. So by the time this episode releases, it'll be tomorrow and we'll have a new one. So I like to say I got skill today in three yeses, and I felt very smart about that. I got it in four. I've had one, two, and I felt like the most powerful ever. Because um, it kind of came off the dome. I had like a yellow. Sorry. Right. Semantical. Mike Trout. Um, and Mike Trout is a guy who most people who do not watch baseball really don't know who Mike Trout is. If I take someone who doesn't know sports at all they'll know lebron james's name they'll know yeah. tom brady's name mm-hmm. they won't know mike trout's name and yeah you're entering and part of that is i guess on mike trout because he's not exactly the most yeah high you know high motor personality person which you know to no fault of his own but um you now, now you're getting guys with flamboyant attitudes and uh bat flips yeah. you know Stuff that makes the game fun. You're getting guys like Tatis hitting absolute nukes and pimping them and Juan Soto doing the Soto shuffle. You're getting all these opportunities to market your sport with these guys who hit balls far. And that's really all it comes down to. The reason MLB has been so successful with Babe Ruth, it was home runs. With the home run race of Sosa and McGuire, it was home runs. Urban's home runs. That's all it takes is home runs. So now you have guys like Guerrero and Otani and Soto. Acuna, mm-hmm. and there are all these guys who can hit home runs because Chit stayed the lawn ball. There's, yeah. there's your opportunity for. I think it's marketable guys, and they didn't market them. They chose. They have really not done that. I don't know. I really, genuinely don't really know what half those guys sound like. I cannot recognize their voices. If you, if you put me, if you, if you blindfolded me and had Tom Brady talk in front of me, I'd recognize him. And LeBron sure. James, I'd know him instantly. 
Put Russell yeah. Westbrook in front of me, I know him. You put Fernando Tatis uh, in front of me and had him speak ten sentences, I'd be like, um, I don't know who that is. And I, that is sorry, keep going. Yeah, it's a big issue. I, I the marketing failure comes down to like two reasons. One, the MOB doesn't control the day of the week like the NFL does. I think that's the big thing. Like Tom Brady on his own would not be enough to flip the entire NFL, but it's been through years of guys being, you know, expressive and flamboyant like they are being now where you have like guys like Chad Ochocinco and, and all these people. I don't want to name a lot of Bengals, but Icky Woods and all those people, they were having fun, you know, 40, 50 years ago. And it's like, you know, you get bean if you have any fun now. It's the same thing um, that like Alex Ovechkin went through through his first years. He got like shit on because of his celebrations and all that stuff. So that's, I mean, and and not to, you know, go on another side tangent, but it's hockey and baseball are at the bottom too because they've been so stuck in their ways of being, you know, non-expressive. As far as basketball goes, you know, Jordan, LeBron, all of these big names, you know, they have their shoe deals and they have ways to market themselves outside of the game and i think mlb has a huge problem with that same thing with hockey but it's not a hockey podcast um sorry keep going and and you know obviously mike trout has the trout you know line or whatever but that's only baseball products so they need to find a way to you know be a consumer product like you know a sneaker or something like that while still being true to themselves and true to baseball and it's gonna be really hard and i don't know how they do that the lockout does not help. You look at the NBA, and you take a guy like Kawhi Leonard, and if you don't know Kawhi Leonard, the whole kind of shit with him is that he doesn't he he doesn't talk. He's not fun. He he's yeah. stone faced, and they've made him into a marketing star. He does Gatorade. Yeah. He has a he has a line, the Claw line. He um, who he had an endorsement deal with someone else. Who I'm forgetting. He ha- he has. I know someone who goes to my school who always shows up with the hoodie. It says Fun Guy. That was that's yeah. his thing. It's small text. It says fun guy with a period. Who says they're a fun guy with a period? Kawhi Leonard does. And they managed to turn this guy who has no real personality fit for cameras. And they managed to turn him into a star. And you take the MLB with guys who are amazingly good at the sport and amazingly fun and, and enjoy the sport. Juan Soto loves to play baseball. Baseball yeah. loves having Juan Soto in it. And you don't market him. And that's just sad to me, to be honest. And like... In the NFL, Marshawn Lynch, I think, is the biggest example of, like, the guy that, like, isn't super expressive on the field. Like, he, you know, he had the or the tinted visor and all that stuff and, like, looked very robotic on the field. But, like, now that he's out of the sport, he, you know, you see this whole, you know, another side of him. And even when he was in the sport, like, the I'm not here so I don't – or I'm just here so I don't get fine stuff. That was, like, huge for, for football news because, like, that, would, that was just, like, the talk of NFL media day, which, like, I get it's, like, the biggest – media day of the entire sports world but it was like no one really cares about media day and, and, and he, he made it a thing yeah he, he it became a thing because of him and 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 who do you know as a former mlb player who is now a media personality the answer is going to be guys like david ortiz and alex rodriguez but they stayed within the sport yeah, they're but they're guys. in baseball media. They're but in you, baseball you, media, sure. But you take a guy like Michael Strahan, who was a legend in the NFL, one of the best players in the NFL for a long time, set the sack record, and then mm-hmm. walks out of the sport and hosts USA Today. Like this, this you don't see this sort of branching out in baseball, and I and I don't like that because I feel like baseball is, I don't know, probably one of the biggest sports in terms of how easy it is to express yourself. You hit a home yeah. run, bam. You throw your bat 15 feet in the air and you run down the sideline and everyone is watching you. Like yeah. people cannot stop you. Like the camera is on you when you hit a home run because you're you have that 90 or, or, or that 200 360. I'm completely blanking. You have that 360 foot trot to yourself. And you don't really get that in other sports and you have this time where it's do you. cartwheels or something rather yeah. basic. Go, go run around. I would love that, dude. I don't mean to get too philosophical here, but I, I think in a lot of ways, modern sports have kind of, well, okay, not kind of, they've been doing this for a while, um, for, before I was born, but sports have kind of elapsed what makes sports fun in a lot of ways. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a business. It's a job. It's a company. And there's no fault in that. These guys deserve to get paid. The owners are going to get money off the bats of it. 
And that's not a bad thing. It's not an inherently bad thing. It's not detrimental for the sport. But I feel like in a lot of ways, people can forget why they're even there. Like, they didn't, you know, in the, in the MLB, you just want to play, get some hits, get your contract, good for you. But you didn't play in the Little League, you know, tournaments so you could get a bag. You played so you could have fun and you could play baseball. And yeah. I don't know. I feel like that's been lost a lot I and th- it is a little depressing. Yeah, I think, I mean, you mentioned it like at the very top of the show. We're in a home run, like, you know, historically home runs have been the center of 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 attention and like home run has the home run has lifted the MLB's popularity. I would I say think, that the home run is the single most exciting event in all of sports. It it is. I mean, you know, there's nothing that like I mean apart from like maybe a goal at an NHL game, especially like late in the season, but nothing shifts. I mean, the 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 thing is a a goal in in hockey or in soccer or in whatever can only be as big as the moment allows it to be. It's always worth one point. But if someone hits a grand slam, that flips a game on its head. Four runs is huge. And and I think I think if while we, we can appreciate the home run for all it is, we also have to understand that we are in an age where strikeouts and all of that stuff is more common than ever. So we need to like rethink the way that that we advertise the game. And I, you know, we've had the home run derby, we had all that stuff. We don't have like a full skills comp though. So if you have like you can have the home run derby as its own event, but you know, set aside a, like the Thursday or Friday or whatever before the the day before the home run derby to have like a whole skills comp with like the fastest pitch and and all that stuff. I think that would be great. Um cuz we're in a pitcher's league, you know, more and more now with with you know, raising rising strikeout rates and all that stuff. So you know, shine some light on other aspects of the game. Um, the MLB yeah. needs to adjust. And the problem with the MLB and all sports leads is that they don't actually run through the commissioner. Manfred is bad and he's bad for the sports. But the real problem with this sport and with the NFL as well and any of those sports is the owners. The yeah. owners are the problem because they run the league. And they want to stay in the past as the past has worked for them because the only reason they're still there is because they've made money in the past. So why would they want to go to a system where they might not make money? Mm-hmm. Matt, Matt Scherzer tweeted out two different tweets. He said, um, excuse me. He said, we want a system, we being the players, <clears throat> ah, my dad, where threshold and penalties don't function as caps, allows younger players to realize more of their market value, makes service time manipulation a thing of the past, and eliminates tanking as a winning strategy. They and just want a lottery. They just they want the sport to change for the better in a lot of ways. And you can disagree whether or not that's for the better. That's not the conversation we're having. But they want the sport to change, and the owners do not want it to change. And the owners don't want it to change because if the sport changes, they might lose money. And that's what it's all about. It is a business. At the end of the day, it is a business. And I don't know. Am I? Am I sports purist if i say the fact that the way the sports do depend on how much money an already obscenely rich man makes kind of devalues the sport maybe i am and i'm never gonna stop watching the sport if baseball is being played i'll turn on the tv and watch but it just is kind of depressing to think about yeah i i it's just yeah i mean you said it perfectly but you know there's so many things the mlb could do just to make it right and it's being held back because of these owners, and and that sucks. It sucks because because now we're just sort of sitting here waiting for anything to happen, powerless as the fan. You guys should see me and Matt Alitz in the, you know, brainstorming planning room, just trying to think about how to talk about things that we haven't already talked about. Exactly. New happening. How are you, how are you supposed to? And I mean, I'm a NASCAR fan. I've watched NASCAR for what? This is my eleventh, twelfth year of being a fan of the sport. And it's Sporting experiencing quotation marks. Hey, hey, bud, chill. We're not. We're not um, it's not the argument for today. Uh, but but it's a die. You know, it's been said forever that it's a dying sport because it you know doesn't have an audience. And I think w- a lot of people around the sport like captured like the moment that NASCAR began to die as this big expansion of tracks to like multi million dollar facilities in the southeast where racing's already big where they just completely missed their market entirely because right now that's what the mlb is doing they are missing their market they are not realizing that right now in this era 
buzz and, and social media and all that stuff is huge for the growth of a sport. And, and there's no not, buzz right now. They're not playing no to their advantages. And when you lock out a sport, this is a very simple one plus one equals two math. When you lock out a sport, when you prevent it from playing and teams from meeting and signings from happening, one of the, uh, Adrian Wojnarowski got 60,000 lights today because he tweeted a trade that went out between the Cavs and the Pacers. It doesn't have to be an event in the sport, like a single play to garner interactions. Yeah. It can be a signing, a, a, a transaction, a, a market deal. And you don't let any of those things happen. And here we are. We're in an, in an area where... We're in purgatory. And if you are a baseball fan, you have probably heard many people tell you, like, I can't... Yeah, no, I don't, I don't really get how you like baseball that much. It's boring. They just stand around a lot. It's like four hours. And, I mean, I'll always love baseball. It's one of my favorite sports. But I, I kind of see where they're coming from because they, they, they don't have a perspective on the great things about the sport. They couldn't tell me who Fernando Tatis plays for because yeah. they're not they it's not their fault it's no fault of their own that the league and the teams don't know how to market their players and now 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 we're at a standstill because players want one thing the owners want another the owners have not budged at all being the owners being stubborn um, and so now Scherzer's second tweet was we don't need mediation because what we are offering to the MLB or excuse me, to MLB, is fair for both sides. Um, and he says that in response to uh, the MLB looking for a federal mediator. I didn't even know that exists, by the way. Like, how do you get that job? It seems like a cool job. Um, it happened with like one of the older uh, strikes, I think. Yeah, it happened in 94, I think. And, and it just totally backfired. So Yeah, it just did not work. Which makes me wonder why they're going back to it. So this is where we are now as a sport, going to the federal, literally the federal level, to have someone tell us how how to play the sport and how to benefit the owners the most. And I would be shocked if the government doesn't lean towards the owner's side at least a little bit. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. Actually, a good way to segue this into our next point, if we really want to talk about the MLB not marketing its stars, the greatest, oh, player, the greatest player in the history of the sport, bar none, Bar none. The best player in the history of baseball just got barred from the uh, National Baseball League. Excuse me. Ma- what? <laughs> National it? Baseball National League? Baseball. I've been watching too it's much NFL. Like, uh, yeah. I've been watching too much NFL. Um, you know, that was actually just uh league you make in a video game where they don't have the rights to MLB. No, we're actually announcing a new league. Uh, <laughs> this is my announcement. Me and Dwayne Johnson teaming up to bring... Um, anyways... The MLB Hall of Fame has decided that the greatest player in the sport cannot be in the Hall of Fame, and there is justifiable anger about that. Yeah. What the hell, guys? I mean, like, I'm not as adamant about the Barry Bond strain as a lot of people are. I am. Like, you know, I I think there's, you know, a little bit of, of room for, like, okay, I, I wish I could have seen, like, how he performed without the roids, uh, but... It doesn't make sense. He was an all-star without the roids. We literally got to see how he performed with the Pirates. He was great. Yeah, but... Obviously not at his know. peak, but still, I know. What you're yeah, saying. I think the thing... I, I was always, like, pretty opposed to the Bonds Hall of Fame, but when I saw the Jeff Passan... I just keep going back to that guy. Uh, but um, when I saw that thing where it was like, by barring Bonds from the Hall of Fame, you are not allowing baseball to tell its story, right? That's, that's what the what Hall of Fame doing. is for. They're there was a whole, the history. There's a whole thing in the in the Hall of Fame about the Nationals World Series winning when they had it. So like when when the Nationals won the World Series. So it's like that's not like a great player individually. That's that's the sport. You know, there was a lot of bad players on that 2019 team and they won it all. And it's like I I understand that's not the point, but it the point is to tell tell the story of of Major League Baseball. You're not doing that again. You can't. You can't have a, a baseball league about baseball, about what made baseball great, without including what made baseball great. And if you're going to include what made baseball great, and you're going to decline people from entering because of PED usage, then why is David Ortiz into the Hall of Fame? Exactly. Why, why that's, that's, the, that's the thing that leaves me absolutely befuddled, absolutely bamboozled, flabbergasted, if you will, hornswoggled, if I will. This dude is confounded. I know. I'm absolutely just. 
perplexed. Um, <laughs> yeah. Ortiz but, got a positive PED test at one point. A lot of the players in that era got positive PED tests. And the fact that Alex Rodriguez, who is statistically probably the greatest shortstop ever, and Barry Bonds, who is statistically the greatest player ever, did not make the league is insane. If you have not watched it already, I highly recommend um, after you listen to this episode and go on to Twitter and share it with your friends. Um, after you do that, go to YouTube, go to Secret Base or John Boyce. I know where you're going with this. I love this. Watch the video that says... What if Barry Bonds played without a bat? And I'm gonna oh, I thought you were going somewhere completely different with that. Oh, no. Is that the, were you going to go to the unions thing? The where you talk about was, the unions? Oh, I, lo- I mean, I love that clip, but I just thought you were about to go to the history of Seattle Mariners and talk about how A-Rod and like how like the Mariners likely had like four of the best players of all time. That is true. Their, that is true. Yeah. However, there's, there's a video where he says, what if Barry Bonds played without a bat? And he yeah, puts him in his 2004 season. And he takes away his bat, and the only caveat is that the pitchers don't know that he's playing without his bat. Um, I'm going to spoil it here. He has a 608, .608 on base percentage in that scenario, which is just absurd. And he yeah. has, if you don't want to talk about the, you know, the fancy stats, you know, on base percentage, he had 762 home runs. He had over 3,000 hits. He had... Seven MVPs. The only the only thing that you could ever put against him is A, the PEDs, and B, he never won a World Series. All there but is. But still, he was the greatest player while on steroids against players who were also on steroids. You know? Yeah, also, everyone was juicing in that league. And, by the way, the juicing in that league saved the league because you do not really yeah. have... You don't have the MLB you do right now. The MLB was not in a good spot in the 80s and 90s. You don't have the MLB where it is right now without um, the home run race of 88? I want to say 88. What was that? 88? It was later than that. I want to say 88. 98. 98. Wait. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's 1998. 98. I guess I said 88 out of, I don't know. 88 was like yeah, still yeah, in like okay, the drug trial era. Point is, yeah. They brought this lead out of the gutter. Not really out of the gutter, but they brought it up to a high place. And to bar them out is to bar the story of baseball from the Hall of Baseball. Real. Let's talk about the Nationals. How about it? Oh, well, man. your Nats prospect news, um, let's, play, let's play a simple game. Alex, did, are we going to talk about something that is positive news about a prospect or negative news about a prospect? Can we, like, have... Can we have a federal mediator come in here and, like... Tell us what and determine more I, details about each choice. Because I exactly because I I don't know I don't know what I want to talk about really. The answer is going to be something negative. Seth Romero, uh, a former first round pitch of the Nationals, and we'll actually get back to the first round pits in a minute. Seth Romero brutal. was charged with driving while intoxicated not too long ago. Um, this was January twelfth, I think, early January. Um, was arrested in Brazoria County, Texas, um, for uh, driving while intoxicated. He um, did actually go to jail, was released on a 5K bond. He's a Texas native and has not really, you know, does have a bit of a shift, but has not really shown much with the Nationals. And one of the knots on him was, again, we talked about this with... um, Alex last week from Nats Player Dev. You should go follow him if you haven't, and you should go check out that episode. Um, but one of the knots on Romero was the immaturity, the mental issues, the yeah. mental instability. And sorry, that's a little harsh. He's not mentally unstable, but but the lack of maturity overall with Romero. And he shows it off again. He he drives while intoxicated and you now yeah. he, he screws around and he finds out. Wasn't the exact yeah. quote. I don't like to and, around this one. <laughs> yeah, and he just... God, it's like... The Nationals put faith in you. Or they were hoping for big things. Whatever you want to say. He just goes out and, and does this. And it's like... You, you, wanna, you, you hope he succeeds, obviously. And you hope you know all that stuff happens. But you, there's a certain amount... You know, three strikes, you're out. Like, rule 1A of baseball. And it's like... Yeah. They just do that. Um, um, and 
and and I'm I just hope it's not like something mental. I hope the guy's like all right, you know, obviously, because when you, when you are essentially a grown man, how old is he? What now? Twenty twenty. He's twenty five. You're 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 twenty five years old. Your brain is full, fully formed. You should not be driving while intoxicated ever. And yeah. especially not if you're a guy with this much of an opportunity in front of you. Um, Romero, uh, NBC Sports is telling me, um, he when he pitched in college, he was a high prospect, but he had two suspensions with the team in his three years there. Yeah, he and then and he got actually kicked off the team for fighting with one of the teammates. So that happened. Got selected by the Nats, 25th overall. Then... Typically got sent home from spring training for violating the team rules. Yep. UCL injury, missed the season, and then played poorly. And we'll, we'll get back to this in a minute, but this is just another example of a Nationals first-round pitch flaming out. Yep. It's sad. It's, it's, but... it's just, I don't know, it just does feel kind of disappointing because you, you when you are a first-round pitch of the team, even for a team that was pretty good then, didn't really need the prospects. You know, you pit, you, you get pit twenty fifth overall. You're going to a team that was, you know, pretty good. Um, yeah. Still, when you when you are a first round pitch, the team is placing a lot of stake in your existence, in your ability to improve from the minors to the majors in the off season, in spring training, and you you let an entire team down and you let a fan base down when you repeatedly just made stupid maturity mistakes. If you are a player who gets drafted and you are by the book and you just don't turn out as the best baseball player, that sucks and it can't be a good feeling. But at least I know that you went out there and you tried to be a, the first round pitch who you were supposed to be. But when you're a guy who is making really stupid mistakes like this yeah, and you're going out and driving while intoxicated. It didn't say whether it was drugs or drinking, but um, bad. Still, either way, yeah. you know better than that. And it just kind of shows a general lack of respect for the team that drafted you. And Especially... Go ahead. I, I just don't see him lasting that much longer on the Nationals. I don't think there's much it, there it, baseball-wise, and I don't think there's anything there maturity-wise. Yeah. It'd be one thing if it was just like a standalone DWI incident, like even just in the general sports sense with like even after his history. But we saw like not even three months ago, a guy die in profession, like a guy ruined the rest of his life and, and kill a person because they were driving while under the influence, you know, with Henry Ruggs and all that stuff. And and it's just like, come on. I, I like, I think the best thing that the, nationals could do for him is just get him a change of scenery or something to you know just get away from the organization but a i don't know if anyone would take him and then b we go back to what we talked about earlier we're in a lockout can't do that you yeah, can't so move players so you're guy. just sort of stuck with him and and just he has this cloud with him and and it's brutal and while while i do agree with you on the change of scenery thing i don't it's not a Nationals problem. It's a Seth Romero problem. Problem. Yeah. Because yeah. he had the same problems when he was in college at Houston. And yeah. so he, I don't know. In sports, whether you like it or not, teams will keep players despite off-the-field problems if they're good. I mean, hell, Ben Roethlisberger just got a, you know, a send-off for being Ben Roethlisberger. A n- n- what's the word? Notably terrible person. I say notoriously. Whoa, I say no, yeah. no notoriously words. Um, anyways, for being a notoriously terrible person, um, and he, yeah, he, he, he can send off even though he's you know, been terrible because he's good at sports. And so, if Seth mm-hmm. Romero was good at sports and he he was a first round cal- caliber pitcher, we'd be forgetting. We we'd be forgetting that all this stuff happens. He gets the DWI and whatever. Matt's or not, not Matt's. Uh, Jason Worth got a. A massive speeding ticket not too long ago. He was going like one, going like one one thirty, one nineteen or something Jesus. like that. In in like a sixty five, it was a whole thing. He had to go to jail for like three straight weekends because they didn't want him to take the time off games. But I don't know. You don't have yeah. a future in through through your maturity, and you don't seem to have a future in baseball. So this is just this is just yeah, stupid. It's bad, it's bad news. And and. <laughs> 
lot of times if it's a kid, if it's 17, I mean, I don't know. I still don't think you should be driving while under the influence if you are a kid. But maybe it's explainable. Maybe your buddy's got you to do it. But you're 25 years old. You know better than that. Um, in other Nationals news, um, this could be good news. This could be bad news. It's good news, but to a lot of people, it's bad news. Um, the Washington Nationals are installing um, an MGM, or excuse me, already have installed an MGM sportsbook, small one, into um, Nats Park. It's going by, I believe, the left field parking garage that is, or I guess it used to be, or something. Um, yeah, this really should not be a big deal should not really be making headlines at all but um naturally yeah. with kind of the stigma around sports gambling um, goes back to p to the baseball writers and and, and being yeah. banned you want to talk about not telling the story of baseball pete rose is still not in the hall of fame um yeah but yeah i don't know they're doing that personally can't gamble yet but i'll be taking advantage of that when i get the chance um oh. sorry keep going I'm not the biggest sports. I don't. It's not my thing per se. Like, I un, I understand why people would do it, but I personally I, I like, like keeping my money. <laughs> exactly, and it's like you know, it's like if you go to a casino, fine. If you if you go there with like the the pretenses that like yeah, I'm probably gonna lose money, it's fine. If you go like you know, if you want to put up like a prop bet or something, I don't mind it. But the like aggressiveness of sports betting. And like gambling and all that stuff is just like, do you really want to be doing this? Especially with uh, how uh, infamous sports gambling is in in, in baseball as a whole. Um, yeah. Just throughout throughout time with the Black Sox and 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 the they're not, that's not really sports betting, but yeah, it's Pete Rose especially. Uh, yeah. So um, personally, just don't see it being that big of a deal. If you are of age and you can gamble responsibly, I would definitely say go check it out. Even if you've never really been, if you you don't think you'd be into that, I think it is cool that sports gambling is going national. Um, you know, a lot more states are really not only you know legalizing it as of a while back, but pushing it a lot. Um, however, as interesting as the placement of the MGM Sportsbook is. I would immediately get rid of it and burn it in flames if it meant I never had to watch a Caesar sport sportsbook commercial for the rest of my Those life. things are terrible. I hate I, them. Like I just hate Caesar sportsbook because they're putting the ads on the Capitals jerseys. It's going to look so bad. Yeah, I just I don't know. I could go the rest of my life without seeing FanDuel or DraftKings or Caesar sportsbook or WinBet or MGM. Exactly. Just make it like smoking where they can exist. I just don't have to hear about it. (laughs) Yeah. Just like, don't mention it or like put like the big, like warning sports gambling can be addictive. Yada, yada, yada. Just do something. They kind of say that. Um, well, it's in like this small text. So anyway, uh, we're going to, I know this is still a nationalist podcast. If you can believe that. Um, and we were mentioning earlier with Seth Romero, how nationals first round pits have kind of gone astray. Um, in the recent decade. Um, so we're going to throw aside Cade Cavalli and Freddie House for this, um, mostly because it wouldn't even apply either way. But um, at Zach Matt 4 on Twitter, that's Zach Silverman on Twitter, um, said, uh, since 2013, Nationals' first round draft pits have combined for a whopping... Thermal, please. Oh, it didn't yeah. hear it. No, we heard it. Okay. Oh, you did? Um, Great. It was very loud and very sudden. Um, have to provide for a I grand should... total of negative 0.4 F4. Negative 0.4. And um, this is a little bit of a nitpick, but if you include Lucas Giolito's numbers when he was only with Washington, it's actually negative 1.0 since 2012. So when yeah. you go down the list, um, 2012, Lucas Giolito had negative 0.6 for us. Um but he's had 11 point sits for the White Sox. So I will, I'm, I'm not going to count that one because obviously we saw the vision just hit that trade. Um, yeah. 2013, we had no pick. 2014, Eric Fetty has had an amazing 1.1 war in his time. Let's go. 2015, we had no pick. 2016, we had Carter Keyboom, negative 1.4. And then 2017, Seth Romero, negative 0.1. Not great. Um, just not, just not ideal. 
Um, I don't know uh, how much yeah. more we can talk about Carter Keyboom. I don't know what we can say that we have not already said, but when you're a guy who was supposed to be a starting caliber first round living yeah. up to top prospect, you end up like this. Yeah. It's depressing. Negative one point four or from war being wins above replacement. Just not good. I this is a side tangent completely, but I need to invest in a sound. Go for it. Uh, I just I I'm going to invest in a soundboard one day. Uh, you know, we're we're going to increase production value on the podcast, so you don't have to deal deal with my desk just absolutely screaming for help because that was brutal. Um, it's, no, make sure to add but, some buttons that say Kiva Ruiz and uh, oh, Kiki oh, Boom. There is a thousand percent going to be a button of me pronouncing Cade Cavalli's name. Savali. It's gonna be the there's gonna be the Sade Savali button on the pod. Uh there's gonna be the uh miss the misspelling of segue on the pod. Anyway. Um yeah, Eric Fetty, GOAT, as always. Uh not really, but best draft pick since twenty twelve says a lot. Um yeah. Not good. I think you've touched all the bases on that. Yeah, I mean this is kind of that depressing part. Where you just look at it and you're just like, yeah, that's just that's just bad. <laughs> um, yeah. Fetty, I don't know. I've always had kind of a love hate relationship with Fetty because it seems like when I watch him play, he does pretty terrible. But in the end, statistically, he seems to be a bit of a um, statistical not a success, but a passable player. Um, mm-hmm. But definitely did not ever evolve into that pitcher top rotation mm-hmm. pitcher that we expected him to be key boom has completely mm-hmm. gone downhill um i've been advocating to trade him for a while even before last year and people called me dumb and look where i am now and then seth romero who we already touched on um the national be f- I'm sorry keep going it's it'd be funny if like so we've already like established that like there's kind of like a weird like jinx aura around the pod where like everything that we talk about has some sort of Aaron. implication then like the day after the podcast release like we talked about seth romero and then he gets popped with the dwi you know we talked about i mean well we'll get to that in a sec but it, it would be just like hilarious if like tomorrow like the league gets locked out or the league the lockout ends and then like we talk about how crap uh Kibum is and like when the season starts and then like he just turns it around and has like an mvp year uh that'd be just it would be Trust wonderful. Me, I would I'd, love it. Unfortunately, I'd love to see um, it, but I don't know if it's going to happen. Um, so we should trade him while he still has any semblance of value, which probably doesn't anymore. Um, <laughs> Nationals still do have um, from this last decade some first round picks to look for. Cavalli and House are hopefully going to be positive war players. Um, we need to talk a little bit more about T.H. Cavalli in this episode. He's one of those guys who you're like, oh yeah, we already talked about him. It's like, man, that was a little while ago. Touched on Brady House last time. Cavalli has really been a stud. Wiped out um, all of Double uh, A. Had some troubles in Triple A, but I think he's going to be a starting pitcher by probably the season after this one. And then there's Jatson Rutledge, the tall man, injury prone, um, blister boy, blister Woo! boy. Um, who God, I want him to be good so bad, but I just kind of feel like the door is closing. And then someone else we've already talked about, Mason Deneberg or Deneberg. Um lots of injuries, lots of lack of playing time. Um, but also someone who had a lot of promise and it is irritating to see him kind of flop. Yep. Yep, that's where we are, you know. As, as has been established in many times or in many past episodes, um, Nationals uh are not a team which has a lot of success in the draft. Um, excuse me, but we make great at international signings. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We make up for that internationally, and as you may have heard Alex mention not too long ago, about twenty seconds ago actually, um, Elian Soto. This was actually a bit of news from a little while back, but we just never got around to it. This was another thing that we talked about him, and like two days later, um, we mentioned that he was signing with the Mets, and I was a little disappointing, and then flips the verbal commitment and verbally commits to the Nationals, um. I so. tweeted it. I just like to say it aloud. Mike, wait, what's the guy's name? What's the owner's name? I'm forgetting again. I don't, I don't care enough uh, to remember his name. No, no, no the Mets owner. 
Oh, uh, Cohen. Uh, Cohen. Yeah, Steve Cohen. Uncle Stevie. It's happened again, baby. <laughs> Steve, okay. what happened? Um, <laughs> he yeah. he had essentially declared to the Mets for a while, but now the 16-year-old um, outfielder mm-hmm. will hopefully be joining his brother. Will he be the Nets' Brian Harper? That was Bryce Harper's younger brother who toiled around in the Nets' farm league. Uh, maybe. I'm not sure. Yeah. I mean, like, the familiar... Uh, the familial, like, I think, like, the only real, like, father-son or brother duo, like, apart from, like, the Seagers right now, it ha- is, like, the, the Griffey connection with, you know, Senior and Junior. Those was- and even then, like, Senior wasn't great of a player. I think he was, like, like all-star maybe once or twice. But apart from that, um, obviously, uh, Soto and, and Ken Griffey Jr. are up there either as the, you know, some of the greatest of all time or have potential to be up there. Um so I don't know how how Elian Soto is going to be in terms of just performance for the team, but I will say massive for keeping him around because I think that was like the big thing is like oh well if the Mets get Elian Soto then he's going to want to come to New York but now for that yeah yeah but now you know Juan Soto has family ties in the system it's more likely to stay around you know um yeah Soto. Uh, seemed to be getting more money from the Nationals than the 50k bonus he was allegedly given by the Mets, um, and also the Mets uh, front office really in, tra- in transition. Um, new GMs Billy Epler and kind of switching around the way they do things in the farm. Um, so those two things definitely combined to help Elian uh, go with the Nationals instead of New York. Um, but I'm sure having the brother there helped. Um, Soto, as this ESPN article mentions, is not really a top premier um, international prospect, but 16 years old, long way to go, and when you have some of those Soto genes in you, really couldn't hurt overall. Yeah, um, exactly. And Elian uh, is represented by Boris Torp, Um so. Oh, boy. Like brother, like brother, and maybe Soto Junior, not Soto Junior. Maybe the Junior Soto will help the elder Soto stay with the Nats in the future. Hopefully, I think this is definitely a good move by the Nats front office to um, honestly maybe use him as a bit of a what's the term? He's uh, uh, a bait, a chip. Yeah, a chip. Um, all right. Uh, I don't know. Did not have a lot of interest in Elian Soto, to be honest. I feel like he's just a guy who's going to kind of show up and not really make headlines. I think the headline lies most in his name. Yeah. Soto. Elian Soto. Noted dude. That's it. As we talked about last episode, Nationals also got um, Christian Vaquero, um, who is going to be very high up in the Nats. Um, farm system rankings not too long from now. Um, and so I think that's who you should really be excited about. The Soto commitment is good, of course. Um, but A, that's still a verbal commitment. He could you know, yeah. swing to the Diamond Bats tomorrow if he wanted. Um, yeah. well, Vicero is officially signed, and we were pretty lucky to get that off. Um, <laughs> because I think the international signings are still running, even through the lockout. I'm not really sure. It's weird. just confusing. Um, kind of general baseball prospect news. Um, arguably the biggest prospect news right now is in uh, the hands of Seiya Suzuki, a um, professional baseball player from Japan. Japan. Yes, yep. from Japan, who um, has been making a lot of headlines as he kind of doing his MLB tour, metaphorically, to see where he is going to land as a prospect. Um, I think the f- what's been reported is that the four teams, um, which are really kind of set themselves apart, are the Padres, the Cubs, the Mariners, and the Giants. But guys like the Red Sox and Yankees and Mets, um, are also in the in play for him there. So, I'll let you want to tell us a little bit about what kind of Suzuki is as a player. It could be great. 
could be bad. I think anyone knows that, but uh, I don't analysis. have anything up. I know. I'm just great today. I'm I'm banging right now. I'm <laughs> doming. I don't have anything up on Seiya Suzuki right now. Uh, just give me a sec. Suzuki is... is, I guess, technically on the older end. He's 27 years old. But, um, like, all NPB guys are. Yeah, that's what kind of happens. Uh, NPB, if you don't know, is um, Nippon Professional Baseball. Which isn't is there like Japanese league, basically? Um, they have to like be a certain age to go over to the MLB. Like that's why Shohei Otani never went until I'm not sure he became like a Suzuki will be the best player since Shohei to make the jump to the league. Um, could be an above average fielder. That was um a bit of the allure of him, but also just a guy who can hit for a lot of power, really drive the ball, and make headlines like that that that's what's making suzuki's market so interesting is that he's really everywhere and he's being um pointed at by a lot of fan bases and a lot of ownerships or management groups even with the lockout and so it's gonna be interesting to see where he goes because um he does kind of represent success in a market that is not as common as the latin american market that the nationals are so prolific in yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, he's not going to Washington anymore. I think there's an outside chance that Seattle goes. He gets him still. Like, I think any Japanese prospect has a chance to go to Seattle. Uh, but Ichiro Suzuki, yeah. of course, was um, yeah. a great baseball player, one of the best of all time, who went from Japan to the Mariners. Um, which, as yeah, that's what I was talking about earlier with that one John, John Boyce video, they had. Ken Griffey, did they have Ken Griffey Jr. at the same time? They did, yes. Yeah. yeah. They had Ken Griffey Jr., well, Alex Rodriguez, and Ichiro Suzuki on the team at the same time. Just absurd. Um, no, they didn't, they didn't have Ichiro, but Ichiro and Griffey had met I th- at some no, point. No, I think, I think Griffey was on the team. I think the, the first year that they got him in what, 01? I think they got him in 2000. And, 2001 was the year they went crazy. Well, they went crazy in one with the new stadium and all that. And then, because I, I know that Griffey left because of the new stadium. He didn't like the stadium in Seattle because it was, like, windy. Like, the draft was against him, and he just wanted to go to a place where he could just hit home runs. Um, and I think the opening year of that was one um, right. Well, still. I don't so, know. Yeah, but, like... Every, yeah. every team wants to get the next Shohei Otani. Shohei is a unicorn because you're not going to get a two-way player, um, especially not one who's good enough to be award-winning at both levels. But the Suzuki represents another endeavor into a, a, a market which is less tapped into and less, less proliferated yeah. upon. Um, and so to have success over there is to, A, establish your name in that market – and be known as a team that is looking over there at good players from the NPB, and also be as the team who gets Seiya Suzuki, who's a really good player. So mm-hmm. I think, obviously, every team has been and should be looking at him. Um, has come down yeah. to a group of finalists, probably. I'm willing to bet Suzuki has his own smaller finalist list, but Padres, Cubs, Giants, Mariners, Mets, Yankees, Red yeah. Sox, keep your eyes out for those teams. And I think as management groups get more active again, uh, we'll see more action with Suzuki. Yeah, there's a whole like front page article um, that's in Japan or from the Nikon Sports Metropolitan area on uh, January 26th that said the Mariners, Cubs, Giants, and Padres are expected to remain finalists as Seiya Suzuki urgently travels to the United States even after the lockout is released. And final negotiations with face to face or are face to face leading or with leading candidate teams. So he's still touring despite the lockout. And I think really after the big uh, all the big guys in the uh, international and or the uh, you know Latin America um, signing window are are finally closed. Uh, I think just you know he's the last big piece now. He's the the last guy in um, oh. In um in in sort of the MOV news cycle until um 
until anything else happens. And I'm just looking at this article, I guess, to say, um, or at this like front page newsletter thing. And it has like one, two, three, and four next to the teams. And it has one next to the Giants, two next to the Mariners, three next to the Padres, and four next to the Cubs logo. Um, now, I can't reach Japanese, obviously. Uh, if I could, I'd probably give you more insight, but maybe that just, is just like an insight on who's the front runner to, to who. But And I'd imagine for um, international guys, a lot, a lot more of it is on location than it might be for guys who have lived in um, yeah. you know, these places. I think I would rather want to play in San Francisco than in Chicago. And I, gen- I, I mean, obviously... I can't speak for Suzuki, and maybe it really is just a lot about the money. But I think I'd want to um, want to have some sort of focus on where I'm going to yeah. be playing. Yeah. All right. Um, one one more thing that we wanted to hit um, was actually two more. Well, two more, but one more thing, which one more serious thing. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god. Um, kind of quickly because we did hit on him last week, and again, our friend at Nats Player Dev has. Uh, tweeted about this multiple times. Um, Jatson Clough had really good uh, experience at the Arizona Fall League. Um, Nash- he's a Nationals middle infielder, plays second, third, shortstop, just kind of moves around. But he had a really good year um, after having a bad year in the summer. Um, yeah. In Arizona, Clough was able to a slash line of 342, 432, 456, um, which is very, very good, especially after having a poor year. Um, and he actually won the Fall Leads Defensive Player of the Year, which is impressive. Um, and that's this is big for Clough because a lot of these guys are good minor league players who will never really make it in the MLB because there's the big name prospects and there's the guys who are going to make it above him. But for Clough, like there's not a whole lot of soon to be MLB ready or currently MLB ready prospects who are good in the middle infield for us. Keyboom, bad. Luis Garcia, struggling. Um, yeah. Yes, Antuna, um, outfield now. But Clough has a pretty clear cut um, path to the majors. Yeah. Obviously, yeah. Pretty House is our biggest. Um, you know, uh, prospect at talent, that, yeah, yeah, talent at that position, but he's not going to be ready yet, age wise. So, Clough can definitely be able to make his name heard at the major league level. So, yeah. it'll be interesting to see how that rolls this next year if we get a year because the Nationals are have been having some middle infield problems for a while, and it'll be interesting to see now that we don't have Trey Turner, now that we don't have Anthony Rendon. Who is going to step up if Luis Garcia and Carter Keeboom can't? Yeah. One note: He's drafted out of BYU, meaning we need to make a uh, play on words. You know, obviously Taysom Hill, Mormon Missile. We got to make some sort of Mormon uh, uh, nickname for him. I, I don't know. The, I mean, we obviously have Mike Trout as the Millville Meteor. We could have like the Mormon Meteor. I just made that up. To be honest, I mean, no, what? The Melville Meteor? No, I think you just made that up. <laughs> I've never heard that. What do you mean? For Mike Trout? Oh, never heard it. Don't tell me. You messed with here? Bro. What's the joke here? The Melville Meteor? Never heard of it. He went to Melville High School with Mike Trout. And he's the Melville Meteor. Yeah, guys, my sincerest apologies for not knowing what high school Mike Trout went to. Dude! <laughs> That's not a I thing. Mean, this is... <laughs> no. <laughs> bro, there's literally a t-shirt. Oh, there's a t-shirt right now a t-shirt. right now at this moment i am wearing a t-shirt that says honk on it and it's a picture of a duck all right you guys can't Bro. tell but alex just sent me a discord um of this tweet or excuse me of this tweet which involves this um shirt this, and it's just this is... it's just a it's just a baseball with the millville meteor just because a shirt exists doesn't mean bro no. No, it's a. It, I, will, I, will, I will give credit. Um, I'll look up the Millville Meteor shirt because it has like the front Bro, part of a Tops baseball literally off. printed a card that has the Millville Meteor on Tops it. Tops printed a card. Doesn't make it real. It's real, bruh. 
Oh, okay, awesome Alex. Just as I said, your awesome Alex doesn't oh, make it. God. Oh, sorry, it's awesome too too mainstream for you. Yeah, no, it's a bit hyperbole. I don't think I'm awesome. About like, 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 acquiescing Alex. All right, all right, Alex would have would have would suffice. Acceptable uh, Alex, bro. Literally, Donnerus. Don't tell me. No, this is no, like this is can't just make, this is just no. This is Tilapia Gate with the rolls reversed. This isn't Tilapia Gate. Tilapia Gate was on you for not knowing Tilapia like a weirdo. This is on you for not knowing what the weirdo is. So people know what fish are. More people are gonna know what a til- what what Tilapia is than are gonna know about the Millville Meteor. If I go ask my mom who the Millville Meteor is, she's gonna look at me like I'm well, crazy. Well, it, it goes back. It goes back to the no one knowing who Mike Trout is. Oh my god, it's all connected. People not knowing who the Millville Meteor is is actually the owner's fault. No! God! I mean, yes, normally, but no. Like, you can't blame this here, very Here is a literal screenshot no, from... No. Oh my Hammer god. Down. Dude, let's go to Let's exists. go to our last bullet point. So right now, the Olympics are happening. If you didn't know that, I, I, I respect the ignorance. Um, the Olympics are happening right now. Um, and we wanted to do a quick quick segment about which MLB players would be good at Olympic sports. So I have four four guys who came to mind. Um, Alex can confirm, so I was actually in a call with him before this. The very first person that came to mind like a flash of bright light in my head was Mike Tockman, uh, outfielder for the Yankees, who I believe also played with the Orioles or someone. Giants. Giant, maybe Giants. Giants. Maybe I'm thinking Orange. Point is, I can't. I just he's good at curling. He has to be good at curling. What 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 leads you to this conclusion? I don't know. I think oh, he has the body mean. mass for it. I also think Mike Talkman <laughs> is a great um, name for it, bro. Okay, he's from, so he's from Illinois. Like, I was low key. I was watching some curling the other day. Right? Can I see? Because like, I you know curling scene is awesome. Like I was just so like. This is what I love about the Winter Olympics, and I, I've gone on rant about this on my Instagram, where it's like, the Summer Olympics can't provide this because it's not during the school year, but like, you don't want to do your AP world work, right? You know. You're, you're tired, whatever. So at 6.30 in the morning, what are you going to do? Watch Watch curling. mixed Mixed, mixed doubles mixed curling doubles at curling. six in the morning. It's great. Let's go. That's what I loved about. I mean, that's what I always love about the Olympics. There's always something on. Like during the Summer Olympics 2020, I was like fixated on handball. I watched every single handball round robin match and bro. semifinal championship match. It was great. I love the Olympics. You know what? I don't love uh, how they awesome. bankrupt entire countries, but I think pure, it's purely, tr- it's trying. I'm pure, not going to purely for the sports aspect. I love it. There's a lot more awesome. or deeper aspects, which are not as great. Um, Can't wait for Olympic breakdancing in 2024. Um, next person that came to mind, uh, Jose Altuve would be great at luge. Not Skeleton. Skeleton is the one where you go face down, which is a very cool name. Um, but Bro. I, think, I, don't, I don't know. I just feel like Altuve, very small stature. Um, his face is pretty square. I think that would work together well for luge. Um, luge is like, and all of these like weird, like ice track sports where it's like, you're going down something with like no real control. I don't understand how people do that and don't die. Like literally it's like the track, right? To prevent people from flying out the track, there is just concrete like right above their head. Yeah. And they're going like 85 miles an hour. It's like, oh my God. The safety of, of Olympic sports in the summer is like the risk of like having like a stroke or like breaking a limb. <laughs> the risk in the winter like is this... flying off your sled into a slab of concrete. Literally, literally. And then in the winter, it's it's the safety risk is is how many people die playing this sport. Yeah. Um, yeah. Speaking of sleds. That being sports, said, I think all MLB players would be great at Olympic baseball. It's just a hunch I have. Uh, uh, we're talking about the Winter Olympics here, Alex. Um, okay, just baseball on ice. That'd be baseball sick. on skates. That should be pretty cool. Um, Everyone tear torn meniscus. <laughs> not one working in blank CL after all that. Um, yeah. I said bobsled. I think the entire Nationals team would be pretty good at bobsled because... No, if Juan Soto himself would be the bobsled because the team already rides him to victory, he does all the work. 
Um, yeah. And then to stay on the Nats train, I think Strasburg would be good at ski jump, but he'd make it about two rounds and then he'd tear his Achilles. And that's yeah, my no list. Way. You have anyone that comes to mind? Uh, no, not really. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I made my joke. I've said my piece. Yeah. Um, that's all kind of I got for today. Um, glad to be back. Um, this should be up by Monday morning, um, Monday midday. So take time to listen yeah. to it instead of listening to your teacher drone on about something you don't care about. Listen to the Nets Gen Nats podcast or watching Olympics or that. Go go give our last few episodes some love. Again, we had um, I think episode five was an interview we did with TJ White, which was a good time, and then mm-hmm. um, we had Alex from Nats Player Dev on last week. Follow us on Twitter if you haven't already. That is uh, at NextGenNatsPod. NextGenNatsPod. Um, we... Um, but I'm sorry. Just, I just want to interject real quick. Also, uh, if you're listening to this still, uh, let us know in the replies to the, the tweet that like we'd make about every episode. Let me know if you've ever heard of the Melville Meteor. I'll put up a poll, actually. Yeah. Because yeah. uh, yeah. this has to be like well-known. I'll, I'll go put it up right after I finish this episode. And we'll see. So that's all I got for today. I think make sure you go follow our Twitter. Um, that's Jen Nats pod. Follow both of us. Our um, personal accounts are linked in the bio of that account. And yeah, it was nice to have you guys on. Yeah. Should be back next week. Maybe not Super Bowl Sunday. No, perhaps I have priorities, I'll be busy, but we'll, we'll, we'll see. be back. Anyway, in our last episode. we'll be back soon enough. All right. Not dead yet. Thank you for listening, guys. Bye.